Hello? Hey, Striker, it's Remington. Uh, we're about like five minutes away. You guys are in the same car right now? You're almost here? Yeah, yeah, we're all almost there. We'll see you in like five minutes. Um, I'm wearing some boots and some uh, somewhat tight pants for me. Do any of you guys have on boots and tight pants today? I do have on boots and tight pants. It's a little more loose-fitting than usual, but it, it's, it's boots and tight pants. Okay, so um, I will be your fourth brother today. I'll see you guys pretty soon, man. All right, I'll see you, buddy. Okay, bye. Cheers. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast, brought to you by Hammer Toyota out there in Mission Hills in Southern California. You know, it means everything that you listen to this show. But when you support the company, Hammer Toyota, that sponsors Tuna on Toast, that's better than the cherry on top. And isn't the cherry on top the very best thing? So there's a Tuna on Toast listener named Deanne. She's listened to every second of every single episode. She's married to somebody named Charles. They needed a new car. Deanne told Charles, we're going to Hammer Toyota to get our car. Charles said, why are we going to do that? And Deanne said, to support Stryker and Hammer Toyota because they have backed Stryker since day one. So they went to Hammer and they got themselves a Prius. And you can see that picture of the brand new Prius on the Tuna on Toast Instagram. So that that's just a freaking lovely story. Johnny's the general sales manager. He's the best. The website, H-A-M-E-R, Hammer Toyota. Dot com. All right, joining us in just a couple minutes, it'll be Palais Royale, three brothers, so Sebastian, uh, Remington, and Emerson, I had to go buy an extra microphone because the most amount of people I had in the studio before was only one guest. Then I had three people coming here. I had to go to Guitar Center, get the mic, get the cord, set it up. Hello, Guitar Center. I could use another sponsor on this show. All my equipment is from your, your, your freaking store. This band, Palais Royale, you need to know this. This is so important. They have caused me so much frustration over the last 12 to 18 months. It's nothing that they have done wrong. It's everything that they have done right. I have heard for the last three to five years from people in the radio industry and from people that aren't in the industry, oh, there's no good young rock bands out there. Hello, here they are in a mother effing silver platter. Sebastian Emerson and Remington, Palais Royale. They've put out three albums. They look like rock stars. I don't want the guys and girls on stage to look like the people in the crowd. These guys don't. If they were walking on Sunset Boulevard by the Roxy or the Rainbow, you would say, oh, those three guys are in a band right there. I very, very much root for these guys. They have built up a crazy fan base. And then a naysayer could say, oh, well, they have all these followers. Can they sell concert tickets? They just sold out the Wiltern in Los Angeles? That is not easy to do. Their third full-length album, unfortunately, came out in May of 2020. We're going to find out in this interview, again, in just a second here, if they have a new album on the way. Maybe we're going to have some breaking news once again on Tuna on Toast. Palais Royale, they are ambitious. They are professional. They are talented. They work virtually 24-7. They want to be rock stars. Here they are. Play them on the radio. They have good songs. 
and they're really great to their fans. That's the best combination that you can have. So without any further ado, please welcome Palais Royale. Test, 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 test. Okay. Sean, how are these looking in the shot? Do they look good? Okay. It was meant to be. You guys comfy in the chairs? You all right? Yes. Sir. Okay, good. Sean, are you almost ready? <laughs> um, what about swearing? No swearing? You can swear okay. if you want. Okay. Oh, I have so many questions to ask you about March of 2020. And like you guys is... <laughs> well, say it. Say it I'm just like, of all the artists out there. Oh, yeah. Oh. We, we got that. Okay, hold on. Say, don't say anything. <laughs> no, Sean, we're talking. Hit your course. <laughs> 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 ready, ready. Okay, take, take Beyond excited that these three gentlemen came over to my house for a hangout session. It's Palais Royale. Guys, yeah. We're in here. Holy mackerel. I can't, every time someone comes over, Tom DeLong was here, Mike Shinoto's here, you guys are yeah. here. I, I just imagine like, what was the drive like over here in terms of the conversation between yeah. you three? No, it was, it was we, I live so close, so it was like, oh. they're super late all the time. Yeah, I just I rolled like, out of bed. They rolled out of bed. <laughs> I called them at 11. I'm like, guys, you dressed? They're like, yeah, yeah. I swear, <laughs> Emerson is just like, he's just not a functioning adult when it comes to waking up on time. So I'm his just human alarm clock at all hours. So like I went downstairs probably like 11.15, woke him up, I'm like, Yo, we got we got the the TED interview today. Like you gotta go. So yeah, I'm on. And I see him fake get up, go, go upstairs. I'm like, okay, Uber's gonna be here in two minutes. And then he's just he's completely passed out. He's like, okay, give me five minutes. I was like, Emerson, it's gonna be two minutes. He's like, well, get off my ass. And Wait, so Emerson, have you always been? See, because for a big part of my life, I would go to bed. Mm-hmm. Probably around three a.m. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care what time I got up. Now for some reason. If it's 10 p.m., I'm panicking that I'm not sleeping. And I just want to get up early and do crap yeah. d- during the daytime. Yeah. So, so how does that work for you now? I go to sleep around like 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning. And uh, people, look yeah. at me, people look at me like I'm crazy. But the reason I have a philosophy behind okay, it. Okay, here we the go. The reason is no one fucking bothers me from the hours of midnight to 8 a.m. So I'm able to just draw and world build. <laughs> and uh, like I'm, I'm working on like doing kind of like a... a graphic novel but also this kind of like virtual world for the palais empire um so i do a lot of work just in the middle of the night okay so it's not like you're out goofing around no. or maybe every now and then he, but you're working on stuff he, honestly he, not he, never goes he doesn't out. go out. i'm not fond of people I, i've i've found my most happiness by just being alone and creating wow know? as a band as yeah. we sit here today we're just a few days before Halloween. How are you guys feeling as a group right now? Like your mental health, your professional health, and how things are going to be moving forward. I think this, we're so thankful for our producer that just did our most recent album that's going to be coming out soon. And that he told us, we came off to it, we were really mean to each other. We weren't, we couldn't be in a room with one another. We were playing Reading and Leeds and... We were yeah, getting we fist were fr- We were fresh off the zombie tour. Manson tour. Manson zombie uh, tour. And then also just five years crammed in Sleeping our mom's, in our mom's car, car in SUV, any type of shitty vehicle so we, we could just, get our hands on. We so despised one we, another. It was, we were just and too so close. Now, and this was when? This was from like 2015 to 2018. We were like, okay, 2019, 2020 was like, if you looked at me, like one of us, we would just, it would just be fist fight. It was ridiculous. It was full brawls. No one on our crew could be around us. We were just throwing stuff at one another, like bottles. It was, it got really bad. And so when we started, we came back home. We were like, what happened? And so we're like, 
our producer, we went in the studio and he's like- And who's the producer? Chris Griotti. Okay. So he did- Oh, I love that dude. He's, he's I love Chris. I Chris, love you, Chris man. is one of- Of course, of, I knew that. Chris yeah, is way. one of the greatest He reeled beings. us in. He, he took all of our madness and passion and creativity and just like helped us really- Almost like a therapist in a way. Where yeah. it was it sounds like, like that you actually really needed that though, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was also this this like we want to make music that lasts a lifetime, but also we want to have like relationships and a love connection as brothers that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. And I think that was Chris's like big thing. He was like, "I will straight up not work with you guys anymore if you guys don't show respect for each other." And we're like. <laughs> So we have to do this. I'm like, okay, fine. You and know, so we just kind of like he said fade, this right before we went into the studio, like, and then it turned out this is the greatest thing we've ever created. Yeah, I want to backtrack yeah. about the fighting? Yes. Were you able to figure out why the arguments and almost hatred was happening so it doesn't happen again? I think the biggest thing was it was all three. It was the three of us, and you know, from the, the people that only cared about this band from day one was the three of us and our mom. So when we went on tour, you know, you're hiring musicians, you're trying to find your team but you're paying everybody you know what i mean so it's it's a hard thing that you're hiring people to work and do their job but then also we get the frustration because we were doing everything from managing and doing the agent work and doing everything in our career i was driving doing everything selling the merchandise we were setting up the stage you had no one helping and so it was all the stress was on us and i think over time that just built up we did 700 shows in like five years so wow we didn't there was for two and a half years straight, we never we didn't have homes. We lived in a car, so we just we would go and we're like, oh, when's our next tour? Call agent. They're like, oh, you're getting twenty five dollars. You're going out with Stone Sour, and you're like, okay, let's go. And we do the thirty days of that, and then you go to another place. So I feel over time it just became too much, and I think that we now were just we tired. we were tired, and the luxury we've we've given we've I think we've earned and gained by ourselves of just doing this is doing the hard work, and now. We have a great team. We have a great band. We have a great and seeing everything. results has to give you guys the oh, confidence absolutely. and some validation. 100%. Like driving yourselves around and and then now selling out the Wiltern. We were passing out flyers in right. front of the Wiltern and selling it out like a couple weeks ago. It's like or it would have been two years ago, but it's like we finally got to play it. But yeah, it, it was, was and, and especially when something kind of goes away for a long time, you know, because that that was the only thing we've ever known. And when it went away, we're like, oh, what 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 do we do? Yeah. yeah, we're so super just, just grateful and, and respectful that just, the, the positions we're in, and I think we identify. And we always have, but more so than ever, we identify that we're in a role that we kind of are these leaders of our fan base, and it's so crucial to lead them towards like art, music, philosophy. Absolutely, opening your mind to to something that's further than your screen. That's great. So you get with Chris, you're making a new record. Mm-hmm. What the hell is it going to be called? Has that been revealed? Do nope. we know that it yet? Has this not is, been revealed. Oh, this is the first, first time. time. Are you going to tell me? We, we are going to tell you. We got breaking news. We got breaking news. Okay, here. Hold on a minute. Which one of the three of you would like to reveal the name? I think Sebastian. Will do All right, it. Sebastian. I, I wanted to do it. Okay, you, you do okay. it. No, no. Uh, okay, go ahead. Sebastian. The album we are so proud of is called Fever Dream. Fever Dream. Yes. Love the yeah. name. Yeah. Love the name. It, it was kind of very symbolic about everything that we've gone through. And it's there's a lot of ups and downs through a lot of things in our lives, you know, from personal relationships to substance to a lot of things. And I think that, like, embodied so much. Especially, and, especially you know, just the past two years, the pandemic. The, it was the perfect. It actually did feel like a fever dream. You know, yeah. it just did not feel real. And somehow, it I feel like just two years of our lives just disappeared, but 
we came out with something on the other end, which yeah. is nice. Fever. Okay, we're gonna get into everything you just said because my brain is spinning mm-hmm. like crazy. But I just want to get some big bullet points mm-hmm. going. Okay, Fever Dream is the name of the album. Yes. Are you gonna release a song every other week? Is there going to be like a date when we get 10 songs? What's the plan? So the plan is we've already put out No Love in L.A., Punching and pa- Bag, and Paranoid. Paranoid. Yeah. I love Paranoid. Awesome. I love No Love in L.A. Yeah. as well. Shockingly, we never got radio play with No Love in L.A. I in L.A. I get that. Which is crazy. We, we it, made the oh, both like, summer anthem track that crossed off all the check marks for radio. I think it's so funny. Like Philly plays it, Chicago. The St. Only, Louis. The only place. That does LA. not play it. LA does not I guess does it really play. means there's no love. No love. No love. I, yeah, it's, it could I be more appropriate. You're judging me and I'm judging you. There's nothing else to do yeah. here in LA. And yeah. the video that goes with this particular song is an A++. Thank you. And oh, I'm sorry so that radio stations in LA yeah. did not or have uh, not supported yeah. it, but I'm glad they, they'll come around. Yeah, but I'm glad that there's people out there that are like, "This is a freaking awesome song yeah. right here." It, it's luckily we've we've gained a lot of really great relationships, like having Allie from Spotify, and she's been so passionately. Allie Hagendorf, she's yep. wonderful. She's, yeah, and then there's we this share a incredible. similar passion for you guys and music in general. <laughs> it, 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 I see it. We it's love her it's so really much. appreciate it, and it's there's a few people. It's that that really got it and saw like a show or heard a track and they're like we get it and we know where you guys are heading so um but the next single in line is this crazy elaborate music video there's going to be a total of four so now then at that point we'll have four songs out yes and then what happens after that? then there's going to be a couple more singles couple there's gonna be two more singles we're just i I think there's such an interesting in between that we're releasing um our newest makeup palette from like our cosmetic company and it's gonna be a fever dream palette And it's this whole like renaissance, like beautifully um, obsessed over things. So. Amazing. Yeah. No, it's that we go into that. And then there's, we fortunately got in with Youngblood and it's been a very tough decision. That was, we've been friends with them since 2018. We met them on Warp Tour. Right. Yeah. And we were both playing at, you know, a couple hundred people, 50 people, hundred, it was nothing. And we, but we all look, we both looked at each other. And it was kind of like that Spider-Man meme. You're like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it just worked. And it was just like, we always wanted to do that tour. And we always thought it would be a great pairing and the audience would love it. And so unfortunately, I remember, I remember seeing a show as a kid. I think like you took me when I was like 10 years old in Vegas. It was like the House of Blues. And it was like Fallout Boy, Panic like at the Disco. disco. Who, yeah, who the Academy like? is okay. Go. It was yeah, like okay, so many. It was just stacked with all these favorite bands. And it, I was like, oh my God. And it was 2,000 caps. It was like. And it was like, it was, it was pretty small. So it kind of kind of feels like very similar, like the same thing. With yeah, like for the fans, they're going to get and that. And like a few other acts on it. And uh, it just, it feels really cool. On paper, and I have said this out loud on radio mm-hmm. that you guys in Youngblood. Yeah would be such a perfect tour together. Absolutely. Three super duper rock stars. He's a super duper rock yeah. star. From everything from the attitude, the clothes, the music, the mm-hmm. way it sounds, the way you conduct yourselves. This is gonna be exciting. And I'm not gonna, I'm gonna ask something that it could be perceived as negativity, mm-hmm. but I need the answer. Of course. You had a headline tour yes. that you had to say, guys, I'm sorry, we're not gonna do this. And because your fans are, are really amazing and so passionate, mm-hmm. Some got extreme, they got angry at you. Yeah. So how do you yes. take that in and what do you say to them? It was something we've worked so hard. We've always said this. We worked so hard and the only reason where we are today is because of our fans. Sure. And we, you know, going to Europe and the whole tour was sold out already. So we didn't cancel everything. We were able to keep most or all the UK dates in like Russia and Ukraine. And there was f- 
few dates that were after the young blood date, so we were able to still do it. Yeah, the amount of the behind the scenes work I had that to this do. I was like, I was in shambles, literally like calling our like. I was like, I was like, guys, like, we, we cannot do this young blood tour. We cannot do this, and they're like, you have a deadline. You have three days to do this. I'm like, can you please give me an extension for two? Three weeks days to do what now? To approve, say yes. Okay, to, got it. You know, so now you got three days. It the was, clock is ticking. Yeah. Okay, go on. And go so on. my label's calling me. My agents are calling me. You need to do this. It would be a dumb decision if you don't do this. You're gonna fuck up your career if you do this blah blah blah, oh, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like all this stuff coming in there and we knew how great the tour will be because it is it, you know today was a perfect example all pre-sale sold down in two minutes because nice, of the pairing nice but you know we knew with doing that we were going to let down a lot of people and you know luckily i was able to save a lot of dates but also we have a plan for all those other shows there's so much more down yeah. Yeah. which we weren't allowed to announce yesterday so it made us yeah, look we, like the bad guys we can't announce it yet and so we just look like we just canceled with no I mean, we, plan for we the can band. quietly say it there's an eu a massive eu tour that's about to be announced yeah. so all that like wave of like negativity is it's, like it's gonna we go just away. had to embrace uh, it for the day i guess it hurt because but. it's like we let them down there's and a it, lot of fans that like bought you know they're all friends with one another it's a different thing that instead of you bought they're getting like, hotel rooms with their know, friends. They're all, it's, it's the whole thing. No, I get it's it. It's a right. financial and thing so, that they're putting into, and like I feel so bad. And like on it, that was literally eating me up every single day. Like even yesterday, I'm like, this should be so exciting, but I'm like literally calling. I'm like, did we make a mistake? Did we like piss off all our fans? Yeah, yeah as, like, as big of a day yesterday was, it kind of took a toll on all of us. It's, it hurts. It's kind of crazy. Like but it shows how like, much you care about them. Exactly. It's, it goes as much as they care about yeah. you guys. Yeah, you probably care about them even more. Uh, it, it's true because, <laughs> like, um, you know, we also had like our our old touring agent. He was supposed to book our U.S. tour. Yeah, for January, but that completely slipped through the cracks. Yeah, we were supposed to do so, it actually in twenty twenty one summer. So it was just supposed to happen. Those dates we already had pre booked for America that were from the twenty twenty Bastards tour never happened. And then we were supposed to do it in the summer, and that's when we told our fans we're touring in the summer. And then we call our agents. We're like. What are the dates? They're like, we didn't lock anything in. So we had to fire those agents, get new uh, agents. Yeah, then yeah, it was, yeah. and then it luckily was the new agents got the young blood thing. Offer. So we can <laughs> appease the fans in the US because we haven't done a, a US tour in a wow. very long time. Yeah. And so we're trying to appease them, but we also at the same time had to disappoint some EU fans. And so it's just like, it's just this constant battle. And I just see how much of a toll, even like Sebastian. Bus is ass, yeah. just like getting everything. Love how you guys are still so perfectly. Oh my and gosh! So when, they, like there was yeah. some negative feedback yesterday. It just like I've never seen him. But so guys, I have a question, now. Emerson. I'll go to you on this. When an agent or someone in your camp says, "Oh, you're gonna ruin your career if you don't do this," how how do you tick up here when someone says that to you that works with you? Mm. Um, let me explain this in the best way I possibly can. I'm the person. That doesn't really care what I have to say. It's Sebastian's the mouthpiece on what we should do technically. You know, I, I feel like my role uh, in the band and like my my thinking process is to care about the art, the music, and that and the fans. Uh, anything past that, I have a, I have a difficult time communicating with people. You know, so that's where like the three of us, it's a bl absolute blessing because we all take our different roles. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, it's like the most important part is to make long lasting life memories that we can all like mm -hmm. have like we need escapism we've all been through the, the worst like two years of our lives you know i think it's so crucial for us to like come together in live music and have that like almost spiritual energy again right. so, for me it's like the most important bit is to just get back 
into rooms with the people we love. Okay, so positivity. Yeah. All these tickets are being sold. You're going on the road. It's yeah. you guys in Youngblood. The when you met him at Warp Tour, yeah. and you guys were playing in front of, as you said, not the biggest of crowds mm -hmm. at that time. What did you first think of that dude? And what really got that friendship going? Honestly, we were that guy. I <laughs> I gotta say, I love him so much because he put like this fire in my belly that I've never had before. So I remember there was like a couple shows because Warp Tour, you never know who who's going first or, you know, that type of situation. Which is so, great. There's no headliner. It's just everyone plays at different time slots throughout okay. the tour. And yeah. so I remember he goes on and I was like standing side stage at the, the set and then he plays and I see the crowd going off. He's a fucking phenomenal front man. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm like, I got up my shit. Like, I was like, Rem God Remington's it. already hanging from every rafter in the world. <laughs> no, and so. he's just like, I think that was the show that he climbed a mountain. That was next I climbed oh, a yeah. mountain. Yeah, you climbed a mountain. mountain next to the stage. And he climbed a mountain. Yeah. So he, he honestly, just how great of a performer that he is, he, he's pushed me so much in my, in my front man craft. So... I, I think this tour it. is going to be wild. It's going to be everyone trying to continue. Up. <laughs> It'll be like a horse race. Yeah, they we'll, continue, we'll continue to, like, to push, push each, each other. other. And then by the end of the tour, I'll, I don't even know what's going to happen. Yeah. It'll be like hanging like with a full acrobatic team. <laughs> well, and then by the time you guys go on the road, which will be in 2022, Fever Dream will be out. We're going to have all yes. the songs. How did you guys? I, yeah, go ahead. We're, the songs will all be out like at some point in the, we don't have a date, but we're going to be 2022. We'll definitely have all of them out yeah. right. for, for what for the whole album yeah yes. yeah 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 <laughs> we can't announce the date just no. yet just because yeah. it fucking changes every goddamn week. i know but we but. do know the name of it yes. yes we know that the title track and video yes yeah. that will be out before the soon. young blood for sure so okay yeah. this is exciting yeah. and then when you recorded this album when was the start date of it was so it this, after covid uh so we came home from 2020 it was we were in march we uh you know everything happened and we were in poland last show we ever played and we flew home was that in march then of 2020 yeah okay yeah. and the bastards yeah. album came out in may may, may of 2020 uh, yeah, so yeah. we were doing we were doing we were doing the, we were doing the <laughs> We were doing the prep tour for the Bastards album and that the European and American tour was supposed to lead up to the release of it. Okay. And then every, so we were able to do, you know, Shepherd's Bush and all these great venues in Paradiso and Amsterdam. And then it was like halfway through that, oh, you have to go home. And so we're like, okay, we're going to go on an American like, tour in two weeks. Like, it's Guys, fine. it's three weeks. It's going to be over. Yeah. It's like, go enjoy your vacation. I was like, yeah, three weeks. Fine. Vacation, we're going to miss out on like, like Russia and stuff. My, this sucks. But. Anyway. And so, um, so we go home and then we're like, and then we keep getting calls from management. They're like, yeah, it doesn't look like this thing is going away. So, you know, we're just, do we delay the record? I was like, no, no, I've, I've, I have a good feeling about it. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's going to be quick. I'm like, Sean, the cameraman's laughing. I'm, like, I'm like, the government knows what's best. Like they're, they're telling us everything that's factual. They're like, it's going to be no time. And then, um, and then, so we're in May, the record's about to come out. We can't even Uber to Sebastian's house because like, there's no Ubers because of COVID. And then, um, I was like, okay, the record's coming out today. And then also, um, it was during the Black Lives Matter protest. It happened that day. It happened that day. So that was also the day where everyone kind of went radio silent on all platforms. Sure. And, every, and that was the day everything. the record came out. So, so we decided to suspend all so promotion. We, we were like, okay, the record, the record came, came out today. We can't stop it because it's, it's already in the out system, of our hands, you know. You know? 
Um, and so we just didn't promote the record for the first week it was out. Yeah. And I think like, it was longer than that. We yeah. must have not talked about it for like a month, three weeks, yeah. maybe a month yeah. or something. Yeah. Which is kind of the craziest thing. You, you brought a release. record you worked so hard on and then it comes out. But obviously yeah. there was a more important pressing yeah. cause. Right. Now so, every, everyone understands that line you just said. So that being said, though, what were your spirits like as professionals mm. at that time when you took so much time making this album? I think. And then all of a sudden... The world is totally changed. I think yeah. I, I can answer this one. Many times in my life, um, forced mandalas has happened to us, meaning you create something so exquisitely beautiful, and the moment you finish it, you destroy it. Uh, and I've been through this many, many times in my life with art and files missing and all this stuff. And I think we looked at this opportunity as like, okay, we did that. Maybe this is like a the world saying a forced mandala, which actually read it, like led us to this rebirth of almost full circle where we, we got re-in-touched with our classical music love. Yeah. Like we all um, play like classically piano. Um, and that was something in the Bastards that we never really touched on. We actually strived away from it. Um, and this time around, we were almost able to like re-fall in love with music, but also like the intricate songwriting nature. And so like literally Fever Dream is probably one of our most prized pieces of work we've ever done in our lives. And I think that's only achievable when you have more than a year to work on something. Yeah, mm. so we've never had that luxury before. And obviously, right when the, the record came out and uh, the Bastards record came out, you know, it was, we, we found out the next week, obviously without any promotion on our part or anything like that, it actually went number one in rock and the number one album in nice. Alternative. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I was like, no fucking way. It still did well. I was like, it, it did great. And I got a plaque in my house. I'm so proud of that thing. Um, but, and then I remember like immediately after we were getting like tweets like a week after, like, okay, when's the next record? I was like, <laughs> what do you mean when's the next record? I was like, and just listen to it. Right. I was like, we just put it out. And then, and then we're just like, we all kind of sat down and got to talking. We're like, let's, we're not doing it's anything. Let's just make. Yeah, next record. And like, I, I, I called up Chris, and um, I was like, hey, we want to make a record. And he's like, all right, well, let's do the first song. The first song we wrote is this song that our label was like, everyone there, they're like, you wrote your hit. Like, you know, that's the song that's going to come out during this. It felt like it was, it felt like the first time, like, my label was like, really it's like, like a parent. It's like the first time they tell you you're proud of you. I was like, wow, we've never had that. And before. that was the first song that we did with Chris. And we're like, all right, let's get let's get moving. Let's start. And what was the song you did with Chris? Uh, so that one's called We Can't I can't, say I can't we say it. we no, we no, can't say we, that one. We yeah. can't just we say, can't say it. one. Yeah. Okay. So stop you for one second yeah. here. The label says to you, Oh, we think we you guys wrote a hit here. Yeah. And you said, Oh, it's like a parent being proud of you. Yeah. But I hope you guys are able to understand what you have created on your own with not a ton of radio play yeah. and getting this fan base around the world, you've achieved more than 99.9% .9 of other bands. So while your label said, Oh, you got it. Mm -hmm. If those other songs you have created weren't good, no one would come to the shows. You've yeah. already created you. hit yeah. songs for people Thank that you. we yeah. slash the audience sings to you when you're playing. It's, so I hope it's, you it's get so, that. I think we're being, like, mentally, they're, they're, it's being, like, they're being modest, but I'll be the one to speak for all of us. 
we're aware. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, when, we, when someone says to me, like, hey, we, we helped you sell out the Wiltern, I go, ah, these no. three sold out the Wiltern. We, we were there. <laughs> we, we played L.A. So we used to pass out flyers on Sunset Boulevard. You know, like, we were doing that. We thought that's how you become a successful band. Because we, our and bands did that. Did that. Yeah. I remember and, getting, I yeah. think, an Incubus fly. Like, yeah. I would get all, uh, flyers from all the bands, like, in the yes. late 90s. And early it just days. died. It just died down. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's people are like, how many TikTok followers do you have? And it's like, it's... It's a great, it's a great tool. It really is. It's a, but it's a good platform. The but. ticket numbers are not anywhere. If you have 10 million followers, you're probably selling 200 tickets. It's like a weird. Sometimes it thing. just doesn't translate. Yeah. So, and that's what I think. We have physical. You know, it, it does connection even, of um, the human. Yeah. Even my there, producer so. actually told me this on the the phone the other day because we, we always talk. Um, so he he just called me. He's like Remington, you just just letting you know before this record comes out, the amount of plays. Or the amount of views or the amount of streams doesn't make it not a good record that doesn't take anything away from the art itself if you can go to bed at night happy with what you created you won and i was like yeah i need so to hear that quote chris. that's why chris griotti's <laughs> quotes are the greatest quotes of all time like, that's up there with like a yeah. rick rubin quote who yeah. puts up like a quote every two weeks on his instagram yeah. i always save it because then he deletes them oh really oh, yeah interesting you know and i feel and i mean this when you're putting your heart and soul into something artistic, just putting it out there is a success. It really is. Just saying, like, I'm done messing, tweaking with it. The world can have it, and it's going to get judged by everybody. It's a beautiful timestamp in the history like that you can't, will never be taken away from you. And the moment's out there, it's right. there forever. Like, like for, for instance, like this song, Fever Dream, that's coming out, it was like... It was that feeling where it's it's the greatest song we've ever written. Yeah, and I, it just it, it's weird. I felt like I was born to write this song, and it was it, it's the weirdest thing. But I've never been prouder of a piece of work. Oh, in my that's so life. cool, man! So when it was being produced and written, mm -hmm. were you at home solo, thinking of how it should go? Were you so, guys? The, so um, I set up yeah. the entire recording studio in my living room just because like studios weren't really ready yeah, we're, out we're at the time. big yeah. believers in not doing traditional studios i feel okay. like so the I energy is to live too, like, in the studio so we just um chris pretty much packed up his stuff from his house just set it up in the living room emerson lives right below me literally because i'm like there's like this little unit below me we have, and then, we have two we have two pianos in the room we have a grand piano and a upright piano and then like, we literally just put just mic the whole house and then i set up a little mattress upstairs for chris so we literally were in the house for like Six seven months, just so many, so much Postmates. And all <laughs> so, if you want to know, if you want to know where the budget of the record went, it, was it wasn't to studio time. No. It was to fucking Postmates. It started off as like one meal a day, and then two meals a day, and, and we were reaching about four meals a day. And then, and then I love Chris to this, but this motherfucker, he was like, "Should we get sugarfish again?" And I'm like, oh "No, we can't God. afford sugarfish no, no. every day." No, sugarfish being modest, he would he would be like, "Let me have chicken fingers for breakfast, chicken wings." <laughs> for lunch chicken tenders for i'm like how many, how many how much chick-fil-a do we need to order or so, dave's hot chicken so definitely that's where most of the budget went but we really just lived inside the studio for so long and we never had that because when we make records we're yeah. so on the road all the we're time making you, we weeks. have two weeks here to record vocals we have two weeks here to to make more songs so this was the first time we actually got to sit down and create a body of work. And you're getting here. along at an all-time high right great. now. It, it was, was crazy. It was great. Wow. It was is it because you're get you think you guys have, you know, 
gotten your emotions intact when it comes to the three of you that you were able to be so creative. I think I think emotions are still. It's all over the place. I think what it was is I think what it was is. Us three and Chris all catching a wave on a boogie board. Oh yeah, oh. we did so the writing we, session. The writing sessions in were in Malibu. We were in a beach house in Malibu and for you can't three get, in a week. So you yeah. can't be mad in Malibu it was like on the in beach. In July, <laughs> on the beach in Malibu, I'm like that was the no writing. No one can actually get upset because the second someone gets frustrated, they're like, "Go swim in the ocean and go and smile." Come back. And then and it was it. fantastic. You we wore a wetsuit. Wetsuit when you go in the no, ocean? No, we just went. Yeah. You on the Pacific Ocean yeah. in Malibu with no wetsuit. Yeah, I mean, you guys are real men. I'm a wuss. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, I'll stick my toe in, but I ain't going in unless you give me a full suit. Give me a real full body suit. Maybe it was, maybe I'll it was jump in. perfect. It was like the most. It was one of the happiest times. The, this I was like going to summer camp to make yeah. an album. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, this this process of the record, I think it really honestly saved us from this the this whole pandemic because yeah. honestly mm. uh, we were going through a really tough time and you know uh i was just partying all the time i'm like i didn't know what else to do because yeah. i just kind of was partying the same amount that i do on the road but without shows it kind of seems fucked up because <laughs> at the uh the beginning of the pandemic like i was able to finish up the graphic novel series uh and i was like trying to figure out the best way that we could feel like we were in the rooms of all of these kids without actually being there. So like while you read the graphic novel, there's like a two hour soundtrack that goes along with it and then you burn incense. So I wanted to like affect every sense that you could. And then so like it would almost be like we're in the room with you. Wow. Um, and so like the second one should be coming out next year. But uh, to me, it's kind of like a portal into this like Palais Royale world. Um, want to make this like trilogy series that people can just get lost in. Sebastian, are you personally at the point uh, in your career that you thought you would be right now? Oh, I thought we were going to be so much further along. (laughs) (laughs) I I will allow that with like, I knew it's weird. It's whenever we hit these, these milestone markers in our career, you know, like doing for LA, it's an easy thing for me to see mile markers because it was like, we passed out flyers in front of the El Rey. We passed out flyers in the Fonda. We passed out flyers in you know the the Wiltern, and we went from El Rey, sold that out, then did the Fonda, sold out, then so the Wiltern sold it out. So every single time we kind of level up, it feels like that little sense of it. And I think the biggest thing that like made me re- like I regardless of like not exceeding all expectations of what I thought or I was going to be or who I was going to be. It was like I'm still proud of what we've done. So I'm not sitting here and be like, uh, but I'm always looking forward. So I'm never yeah. satisfied, which I think allows for me to be a little bit manic about wanting to create. And always, I'm like, we'll finish, we'll finish a song, and I'm like, guys, we need to do something else. We need to do this. We need to do this. We did so a music funny, video. It's like we, we have no new songs. So especially we have an entire I'm, released record. I was literally telling them tomorrow <laughs> we need to go. We need to go write in the studio, and we need to like write more for like the next album after Fever Dream. I'm I was like, like, I was like, okay. But, um, I think it's good though when when you creatively when you don't have a finish line in mind, you just keep running. You know, and then I feel like I can kind of speak for all of us. For some reason, mentally, we're still all just traveling in our mom's, mom's car, car yeah. and just being the one of five mm. opening bands. So mentally, I feel like we're still it, there. It's it's bizarre. It's, I it's had the conversation strange. this morning. Our um the uh, the the director of the Fever Dream music video is this amazing guy, John Luigi. He's from Italy, and he called me and he's like. I love that you're so hands-on and you're wanting to like be a part of everything you guys did your story. He's like, I can tell no one's ever helped you because you're the one like, do we have the right, uh, you know, 
wardrobe person? Do we have the art department? Do we have the DP? Do we have this? Like, I'm, I've learned every little avenue of everything that is in our career, which I've learned all the skill sets to do it from even editing our videos, doing this. And he's like, Sebastian, though, I hope you realize I got you. And I was like, oh, that's the first time. It's always like me, like picking up C stands on a photo shoot. I'm like, why am I doing that? We're past that point, you know? It's why are we on like, stage doing the wheel turn and I'm moving gear still? Like that, we shouldn't be moving and lifting. Do you trust amps. other people in your I life do. outside of your profession? Like, yeah, because because yeah. you're so hands on with this, but yeah. in your outside life, do you trust people to get it done right? I, to, outside of the profession, like I, it's that's a strange thing. It's like I've always had that conversation with my fiance. She's like, do you just like doing all the work? But I'm like, you know, Remy Samerson. They're like, she's like, you need to get all of your stuff like with the before the passport office. And Remy Samerson's like, Sebastian will handle it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's it's always been on me, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But also, there's only a few people I can actually trust to run with it. So yeah. I think we definitely. we've just worked with so many people that like um, creatively we've been let down, which which is okay, it's not their lives, it's not their passion, it's just a job that they were doing, which I think in turn then Chris is us. one of the few people that actually yeah, take this as serious as all. But like, do, uh, down to like the art or yeah. whatever, it's like, we've had to step into those roles. Even when we were kids, like we didn't see any acts at the time that looked like this. And, and we were like, well, if you, if you don't see something in the world that you desperately wanna see, you become it. Um, so I think that's just led us to being more like to educate ourselves every day. Also, I think we're just so freaking precious about the art and the music and everything. So it's like it just it's kind of hard passing it off. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just right. like it's the reason I know we that wake feeling up. also in my little it, super small, much smaller bubble than you. But I know exactly what you're talking so like about. It, it, it's it your baby. It doesn't come yeah. out the way that I've envisioned it from day one i'll just be disappointed you know but then i'll, I'll see the video yes. in five years i'm like i'm still i still wish i could have changed that. Yeah. so yeah. it it definitely it definitely is a lot more work but it's so much more rewarding when your vision and everything that you've seen from the first note yeah. to finishing an album and the visuals is is perfect in your way i mean it's never going to be perfect but at least it's the only person you can blame is yourself, right? Which is, I'd rather take that. I think we've also had so much along the way of people just letting us down. There was one tour we were on, and there was what fifteen people like quit, like immediately. And you're just like, guys, like this is your job to drive the bus, and we're in New York City. I mean, the bus driver. Well, we're pretty hard. We're, to deal we're with very it. difficult to work with, but the bus driver quit, and I had to drive the bus from New York City to Orlando by myself and I'm like, fuck it, I'll just do it. And everyone's like, we're gonna cancel the shows, we'll get a new driver. I'm like, no, I'll just do it. So it's easy. Drove I drove the bus. bus with the trailer. And of course, not sleeping because I was out all night while I got this news. So it was New York -y party after New York. We had an off day, I was gonna sleep at the bus all day. And then we get and back then, at like four in the morning and there's the bus driver's gone. And I'm like, I have to drive. And so I drove and I'm from New York, from New York. to Orlando. That is unbelievable Yeah, that you did that. Yeah. I wanna know what drove the bus driver to not want to work with you because you said that I you don't think, think that was, that was Emerson. <laughs> oh, what'd you do, Emerson? Uh, I was he wanted little... to go. He wanted to come out and party with us that night. No, was no, no. Like... What it was, I was in a mood as usual. He's always. Um, he, knows he is a bad. Guy. I think being a drummer, you're just naturally angry, and like being away from drumming for two years, and when I came back to it for the Welterman show, like I destroy my shit. You know what I mean? And I think it's just when you're doing something that physically draining, you're just a bit like on edge. Um, but we finished our New York show and all I wanted to do was take my bike and like Grand Theft Auto style yeah. and just go around the city and just not be bothered, listen to classical music. Uh, and the driver like 
stopped me right in front of my my bicycle before I was leaving, and he had this like confrontation with me. And I was like, I don't fucking need you anyway. And they just kind of walked off, and I was like, Oh, I think that was my fault. <laughs> I'm like, Thank you, you walked off so. and never came back. Yeah, 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 right. Right. He's like, and then Emerson comes up, he's like, I don't uh, Yeah, I was like, I think I messed up. Hey, Seb, you want to drive? <laughs> that guy's inspiration. His his new album is because of you guys. Oh, that yeah. old whoever was Absolutely. driving the bus is working yeah. on that. But, uh, I think I think we've gotten a lot better. Just because like I think we were because the only way we could pay for tours at the time it doesn't matter because um, we had to do VIPs every every tour so the fans were the only reason why we meeting 200 kids before the show playing the show and then we also like to meet every kid after the show regardless yeah you know just because it's that i mean that's something that i remembered when i was a kid when i got to meet a band member at a show i remember that for the rest of my life so i'm like who's somebody you met at a show oh my god i think i think the coolest person Probably uh, was the lead singer of In Excess at the time. Jamie. Michael Hutchins. No, it was Jamie oh, Fortune. Oh, Jamie it was the Jamie one that came Fortune. in. Oh, the, the one that won the, the TV one, show? Yeah. Okay, right. So yes. like, uh, our mom is friends with them from way back when. I remember uh, that was so cool. We, we were kids, and, and they let us sound check at MGM, uh, MGM Grand? Uh, Mandalay Bay in Mandalay Las Bay. Vegas. Um, they let us come up, and like I stood behind the drum set, and there's this cute little photo of me. I'm like, that big. you know. <laughs> and then he was like, all right, you want a sound check? And I was like, uh, sure. And I think it was like that moment that like changed our lives because there's very few people that will just be like, "Come here, yeah, I'll show you what this is all about." And um, yeah, it was that. And then we met the Hanson brothers. That was the first concert we yeah. ever went to. Oh, and really? It was, they were so it was the three of us, us with the Hanson so brothers. Nice. And it's so funny. I'm really good friends with their other brother, Mac Hanson. He's a phenomenal artist. But it's so funny when I told him the story and I showed him the picture. He's like, "That is the funniest thing. We're like this tall." Like, you were know? you the same age? Are you the same age as the three of the Hanson uh, brothers? I, th- I think it's funny because the, the the middle brother is like the singer. The younger brother's yeah. the drummer. Yeah. And the the oldest guitar, guitar player. player. So we kind of just followed in the footsteps. <laughs> were they your inspiration early they, on? Yeah, they, for, well, sure. They for sure. For sure. It's, it's funny. It was the coolest like, thing ever. It was yeah. like so <laughs> nice. it was they were so, so cool. sweet and they were. So talent they were doing like radiohead covers and like people don't like know the deep dives of handsome but they're and the fact that the harmonies are insane I know. they are talented it's, i had them on the tv crazy. gig i did yeah. we had a wonderful time yeah. together yes. it, it was, and it was i think another concert that changed our lives yeah. was the black crows the black crows that was so the, the second show we saw really so it was hansen and black crows and, and, then, like, <laughs> and then my mom just took me to see um jet they were playing like the pool at yeah, the Hard Rock Australia. or yeah. something. I was at that show. Oh, really? At the oh, Hard really? Rock show. Okay. Like way, yes. yeah, years ago. Yes, <laughs> That's cool. so yes funny. I was at okay. that no, show. That so I was so probably funny. like eight or nine yeah. or something at that point. Yeah. And like my mom was able to get us back and I was able to meet both of them. And they were off their rockers. They were yeah. like, like but any it was the drug coolest thing that you could ever think. seen. But, but they gave me a moment. They gave me two moments just to say, ah, you're going to be a rock star. Like they took a photo with me. And that changed my life. And I think as a kid, I, I identified just how special that moment is. If you give them one second and one just like, I acknowledge you and, and I'm appreciative of you. So like we've taken that to, I think, the next level of like, even when we played the Wiltern, I think we hugged 1,500 people. Outside, yeah. Like we finish our show, yeah. we have a drink, and then we go out and, and we meet every single like kid. It's, it's good for you guys. So yeah. Good, good, good. Like yeah. those changed our lives. Even I met Jared Leto when I was like 14. And he gave me like a weird little elbow bump, and he's like, yeah, "He doesn't like glasses. the handshakes." Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> "I remember that forever. It was the coolest thing." And it just—if you take two seconds, it, two seconds to me is nothing. But if if you can change, if I can life. inspire some other kid to to maybe follow in the footsteps, I, he can write the next or she can write the next. Because that's the whole thing record, you know? about right. art and music in general. Is is like 
it's almost like handing off batons to later generations. So it's like, it's up to you. If you're in that position, it's so crucial that you inspire the younger generation, but also give a gateway for them to step in and continue the legacy. And also I've, I've, I've met a lot of, you know, rude bands and you know rude singers and it like it kind of always dampened my mood you know because you can't like, root for someone that's rude yeah. to people that support no. you i exactly. mean mm-hmm. it's hard like i've come across bands over many many years who they were a good band yeah the nicest people to their fans that were there and they weren't a big band i'm like i want this group of people to do so well yeah. in their career. Yeah. it just changes yeah. everything it does. Yeah. And honestly, like, uh, I think we were playing Sonic Boom. Yeah, yeah, Sonic Boom. Yeah. Um, and then after our show, I'm like hyperventilating. I'm like, oh, my God. And then Dave Grawl comes out of nowhere <laughs> and just goes, that was awesome. And then he just starts talking to me about the weather. And I'm like, <laughs> what is that? I was like, the nicest person I've ever met. And I was like, that's who I inspire to be. You know, you see a lot of people in this industry, a lot of, you know, not so nice ones. And. It's it's a lot. It's funny. A lot of like the most successful acts in history are the sweetest people. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Same with Corey Taylor. He really took us under our wing and super nice. He was just super kind. It was, it was a funny Taylor. it was a funny pairing. It's like a Stone Sour is obviously more when what we're going out there and you're playing in front of a lot of Slipknot fans more so than Stone Sour fans. You know, it's like a combination of it. And it was shocking. The crowds were so nice. They were and so sweet to us. They were so sweet. I was like, well, I guess they just appreciate it. And then you go play with a. 20 band bill to 300 kids in a room in Virginia and you're getting beer bottles thrown at you. You're like, how is this even possible? When in your career did that happen? Oh, that was the second tour. Oh, we, we did our first five or six tours were, as Palais Royale, right? As, as okay. Palais Royale. So you're like, out there, you're playing your instruments, you're so walking out, the, you're looking good, you're doing The first one was we thing? did a high school tour, and okay. that's how we got a record deal. So we were on a high school tour, it was great, we were playing, we're playing football fields, it was you know. it was cool. And the, the head of our label, Ash, came out and saw us, and he was like, come over to the house, and he signed us on the spot. We were living in our car, we were just evicted. It I was, was like, like, I was like, he's like, I want to sign the band, and I'm like, the only way possible is so you if you give me a check for like to a go thousand get, go dollars get today to go so I can get, go pay for a motel. Yeah, yeah we were okay. staying at the El Patio Inn in North Hollywood. Yeah, you know, wow, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the moment when he signed us from 7-Eleven. But for the yeah. first, I would say two or maybe three years of our career, we would only open for metal bands. Yeah, it was like death metal, we just, heavy we metal, metalcore bands. We could possibly take just because we were technically homeless when we got back home. Just so we were just but like, we let's were, just stay out on the road. We we'll were take signed, any tour. Uh, being signed yeah. to a label that at that point, they've definitely diversed and become more alternative and doing rock and doing a lot of different genres. At that time when we signed with Samaria, it was very metal. metal. Like Jazz To me, metal, to me though, like, looking back, I am beyond thankful for that because like the, the essence mm. of how we've become punk in, in the sense of like our show of show. like, we're just mad. We only adopted that out of the safety of like, if we don't start acting like lunatics on stage, we're gonna get we our get asses stuff beat. thrown at us. It was like, people are throwing shit, trying to fight you. Like it was a whole thing every night. And you're in like little dingy, like 200 caps with like a lot of people that so at you, that point, you're dressed like this in those areas. So much work, harder you know? and it definitely, we're so thankful for it just cause like it actually can't let us become the band that we are now so we yeah. can't hate it and we can play any festival and we, we don't care we just come in and we, we do act like mad men and do that's, our thing that's the way you just gotta stick to your guns yeah. do yeah. what you know do what you love and people are gonna follow you and i think also when it comes to your band specifically it didn't happen with one song 
in 2019 and then you become the biggest band in the world. There is no doubt that you were this size one year, this year the next, or yeah. that, and that it's bigger, big. Yeah. That's the path that the foundation. all people should be on right there. If it just happens one time early on, you have to live up to something that is, unless you're like an A++, it's very yeah. hard to maintain. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, very, very like uh, a career, I think we've always admired and loved to follow is like Kings of Leon. Just oh yeah, album just, album they're album just album this album. constant rise and playing every, the form, playing yeah. big arenas, yeah. put out some good songs. That is great, right there. Yeah. Hold on, so you were born in Canada, right? Yeah, Sebastian. And then where were you guys born? Las Vegas. Both in Vegas. Yeah. And then at what age did you move to Vegas? I was like a year old. It was a right year old. Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I claim Canada. He's, he's still right. he's sticking with his guns on it. You know? <laughs> but I think that's where, honestly, we adopted a lot of the, like, our stage performances. We have the Las Vegas signs. We kind of comprehended that, like, in Vegas, everything's a facade. So, like, that comes to stage production design as well. You know, you're doing things and... Like the killers and yeah, Panic killers. at the, I think he yeah. saw Panic at the Disco. I saw Panic at the Disco. Yeah, so went show. to the same high school as Brendan Yuri. Yeah, like I was Ross. going to go to the same high school. I was yeah. like, yeah. Right so you saw one of their first shows in I Vegas? I saw the first show ever. At the, at the alley. At it was the alley. Where's the alley? It's in downtown it, Vegas? It was, it was behind it was, a music shop that they were playing, and Pete Wentz just signed them. And so that was when they got their record deal, and I saw Panic at the Disco play. What do you think? It was terrible, <laughs> but then I saw them like a year later, at, and then I saw them. I saw them. That was, was like that the Fallout Boy. Too? That was I saw them probably like ten times in like a two or three years. Every show, every show just went better. better and but better. it just got better and better. And Ryan Ross was so great. Brandon yeah. was so great. It was just like something I was able to. It was the only really the band I can connect with people I went to school with because it was more modern and because all the music I liked was. Pop. I loved, you know, like Oasis and I really loved the Stones and the Faces and it's a bunch of, you know, being a 12 year old kid in high school in Vegas and trying to say, hey, listen to the Stones record. Everyone's like, we're listening to 50 Cent. You know what yeah, I mean? It was yeah. like such a bizarre thing. So I was trying to almost fit in and Panic the Disco was the one band that I was able to fit in with like the emo kids at school. You know, and it was it was it was a cool thing, but we're all like little preppy kids wearing like our suits to school. And but yeah, I remember to Panic like, Disco. right after I saw their their show with fallout boy i was just like i was hooked yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god who yeah. of the three of you was the leader early early on that you should do something together musically that i think just, goes back down to our mom she was like always just, if, it felt like we just like just always done it it's never been weirdly like a question we never like had that conversation but like, oddly, oddly enough all three of us played um ice hockey we were super like actually like into it and everything and then one day, um, Sebastian's ACL got torn because he got hit wrong. Okay. Um, and that led him to being in recovery for months and months. And so, like, we were all together. I think it was over a course of a summer or something. And, um, you know, because we're chess players and we, all, we always just do different things together. But music was the one thing that looped us in together where it was like we enjoyed spending time together. We enjoyed... Uh, being friends with one another just creating songs even though they were shit you know it, it didn't matter you know you just had fun just jamming with your brothers and you just um and so it's it's never weirdly been a question we actually never had a conversation saying let's mm -hmm. be a band it just just what we do like I just think. assumed like yeah. yeah of course we're a band right so <laughs> the people that you are or who i was at 12 to 15 years old and then when i was 20 to 25 it's a hundred percent different. Yeah. So there was a time in your career where you're like, guys, what kind of music were we making? Let's we want to go more of this direction, which is what you know of you now. Yeah. How did that how did that, that take place? That came when we moved to we moved to Los Angeles, I think like two thousand eleven. Okay. We, we just like we're in a weird contract. We were doing, you know, 
as probably everyone knows, we were doing like Disney stuff way back but in the day. But that's fine. You were kids. Time. We were kids. Yeah. We were kids. You know, it, was it, was, it was like the most public. Form I'm not embarrassed of about it. I, le- no, I learned. Be. We learned how to perform. We were, the first show we did with that band was 7,000 people in Louisiana. <laughs> it was uh, in, also, it was and, and something and we, I will give credit to the Disney uh, formula is they taught you how to interact and treat your fans like holy. You know, mm-hmm. they were like you. You are honestly, you have to be grateful for all of this, and that's how we learn. Like even still to this day, we go and meet everyone because yeah. it can go away so quickly. Yeah, and, and that's just, what we always knew. Um, but we moved here, and then and it was, it's it's crazy because you know the way we started out our career, we were, you know, we were just trying to be a, a pop rock band. You know, yeah, that's that was our goal. We just wanted to be, and then Sebastian just had this dire need. He's like, why? Don't you sound like Chris Martin? And I was like, I just, I, I wish I did. Trust me. He's like, why can't, why can't you write clocks or the scientists? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm j- I can't. I'm j- I'll try. And so we, we tried the pop rock thing for a while, but I'm just like, and then, um, you know, puberty happens, and my voice dropped a lot. <laughs> And I just dis- kind of discovered, I was just like singing, I think Black Crows, she talks to angels yeah. one day. Just, and Maggie May. And, and then just like, I just kind of had like this like really raspy voice when I sang and they're like, that's different. And I was like, well, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And they're like, cause it just hurts so bad. My voice to sing pop and clear. And I just like, I was straining all the time. And then I just kind of like let it loose. And they're like, okay, maybe we weren't meant to be. A pop band. Yeah, that's where we changed the band. And and at that point, Mm. though, it was like the the behind-the-scenes politics of when you're in that big of a machine. It's crazy. You have, like, you have (laughs) no say on anything type thing. And we were not about that. We're obviously very intuitive on the art that we want to make. And I think, to me, if you Good to know that as a younger person, to, like, we respect, we love that we're getting the opportunity, but we are more of this sort of... And I think it was actually uh, spacing on the the name uh, of the lady in that worked in Disney, but she like she took us to the side and she was like, "This route is not for you." Yeah, Mm -hmm. she said, "You're too dark for Disney. This is not going to work." Yeah, it's a great compliment, by the way. That is the best compliment ever. That you're too dark for Disney. So we were kind of like fired, pretty much. (laughs) uh, We're fired uh, as as children. Honestly, what what, what was a funny moment as well as you know Paul Weller. Um, the jam, the oh, yeah. jam, yes, the fucking mod father. Yes, um, my mom's good friends with him, and, and we saw him randomly. Uh, we saw him at the Wiltern a few years ago. Yeah, the yeah we, saw we saw him at the Wiltern. Um, but he was the reason that I was like, he convinced my mom almost to let me drop out of school, um, <laughs> which is kind of strange. But he was like, he was like, what, you want to be the Partridge family, or, you, or your boys want to be rock stars? And this is how you do it if you want to go that route. And so we pretty much, uh, we moved to LA. We based our whole entire like, lives <laughs> off of Paul Weller saying probably, drop out probably of Probably drunken advice. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> and so we pretty much based our whole life off that, but we, we literally ditched all of our last names. We changed our yeah. last names to our middle names so no one could kind of find us. We didn't let anyone know that we were brothers. Um, we didn't like publicly promote it, and we pretty much spent two years in the basement of our house when yeah. we moved to LA, just, just playing jamming. every fucking day. Because we're like, I remember Dave Grohl even said, you know, Nirvana didn't come out. Nirvana, you know, it's three guys kind of sucking in a room for a long time, and then you eventually become that. So I, that's exactly what we did. We just fucking played as much as we could, and you know, we just kind of we, we we messed around with a lot of ideas, and then. Played the Sunset Strip and then just try to make some noise. And then the and high school tour was really what started it off. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Wow, and here you are right now yeah. in my guest bedroom, which is now a tune on toast studio. <laughs> it's fantastic. What a ride you right? guys have had. Yeah. Unbelievable. The, 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 we always say the documentary is going to be ridiculous. So. <laughs> Sebastian, a couple things before we get out here quickly. Yeah. Your mom seems to be extremely important yeah. to the three of you. Yeah. Does she live in L.A.? Does she, she live does. in Vegas? She does. She and lives is in she, LA. Do you see her often? I talk to my mom probably every day for 30 minutes to an hour. Our mom even, is you know. Sebastian. So Sebastian I, I, sure. Yeah. Was it just the three of you and your mom growing yeah. up then? It, it was. Yeah, it was, It was. Uh, you know, I th- when we moved to L.A., that was when it was, our parents got divorced and it was just us. And I guess know. a slight backstory on her. She was like uh, the photographer and on tour with Johnny Thunders and Stiv Baders yeah. and New York Dolls and stuff. So oh. it's like, I feel like she saw it all. we kind of came out as being like those fi- kind of <laughs> characters and figures yeah. and you know, it's interesting. Well, I give you guys all the kudos. I mean, seriously, you have built something that is huge, yeah. and it's only getting bigger. And we know Fever Dream yeah. is the name of the new album. Yes. I love the songs. I love you guys. Thank love you so you, much for being on the show. Thank I'm so, so happy to have you. Thank, thank you, you so you, much, you, buddy. You, you got to come to the They are Palais Royale. Find them on the road. Dig deep into all their music. Uh, and I am Ted Stryker. That's been our show. See you guys later. Beautiful. <laughs> Tuna on toast. <laughs> Tuna on toast. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! All right. That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. It's easy to root for those guys. Palais Royale. If you could do uh, me a solid, I mean, you listen to this podcast, a friendly review. Also rate Tuna on Toast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, find us on YouTube as well. Tune on Toast with Stryker. You can watch every single episode. I'm on Instagram, Ted Stryker, Tune on Toast. I'm very easy to find, and I respond. I try to respond to every single message that comes in. Have a great rest of your day and night. We'll see you on the next one. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye.